I always like to loosen myself up, and hopefully y'all too, by, with a little joke before I get started into the message. So I'm not the best joke teller, but I think you'll get it. There's a pastor who is known for his lengthy sermons, and he noticed that during his message, he was giving this message, and he noticed that there was a man that got up and left the, the sanctuary. And so he went on with his message, and then toward the end, the man came back in. So after the service, the, the preacher went and found the guy and said, why did you leave in the middle of the service? And he said, well, I went to get a haircut. So the, the preacher said, well, couldn't you have done that before the service started? He said, yeah, I could, but I didn't need one then. <laughs> Hopefully, that won't be the case tonight. But I do warn you that I have five pages of notes and 29 scripture references. So you never know. No, seriously, I think we'll be through on time, but... Truly, you never know. I never know when I start, whether it's going to be 15 minutes or 45 minutes. So, the title of my message tonight is, Who and What We Are in Christ. And I got onto this as a, as a study that was recommended by Kenneth Copeland at one of the meetings that we were, went to in uh, Fort Worth. And what he said was, if you really want to get to understand your relationship with God, with Christ... Look in the Word and get a concordance. Look in the Word and look up every reference that refers to in Him, through Him, by Him, for Him, and anything that even resembles that. And that sounded like it'd be a pretty good thing to do, so I embarked on that journey, and it took me about three weeks. And what we're going to look at tonight, talk about tonight is just a very tiny portion of what I found. Actually, to do this subject justice, you need to make a series of it, like Pastor does with certain, certain subjects, or, you know, a, a Bible study of it, a group Bible study of it, where you could really get into it. So this is going to be just a small portion of it. And what I'm going to do first is, I, I've got a list of 22, I think 22, uh, references of what, who and what we are in Christ and I'm going to go through those read them to you and read the, the Bible verse that, sus that uh, sustains that and then I'll give you some other addresses that you can go to supplement that if you're taking notes if you're not uh, get, get the download the message or something because it really is worthwhile it changed my life and uh, I gave this message a long time ago uh, in 2008 and uh, got one of the best responses that I've ever gotten to a message that I've given and people asked for the for the notes and all that which I accommodated so here we go buckle your seat belts we're going to kind of go through this in a hurry to be sure that we get you out of here on time and still cover all the material who and what we are in Christ number one we are saved and if you don't have that one you don't have any of the rest but if you have that one you have all the rest Okay, so Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's so simple. You know, some people say it's so simple that can't, it can't be that good and be this simple, but it is. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's all it takes to get saved. 
It's that simple. Of course, you have to, you have to believe it in order for it to, be, to ring true, but that's all it is. It's that simple, and anybody can do it. A couple other scriptures that refer to that are Luke 18.42 and John 10.9. 10, Number two. Uh, some of these, you know, we have these Christianese words that we use all the time, and uh, sometimes we don't even really understand what they mean. So I'm going to give you some definitions of some of these as we go through these. Uh, number two is sanctified. And the definition of sanctified is very simple. It's to set apart for sacred use or to make holy. So when you're saved, you are sanctified at that point. You're set apart in, to be made holy. So, 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. See, it's a package. You get the whole thing. All at once. For one thing. I just want to say real quickly a thing about being, sa about being saved. When you're saved, the part of you that's saved at that point is your spirit. The inner man. You are a spirit, you have a body, you live in a body, you have a soul. Now, your spirit gets saved, done deal, it's all over. But there's a process that you go through in getting your soul saved. And it takes a while, but it's, it's a good journey, it's worth it. Okay. Uh, another scripture that goes along with that is Hebrews 2.11. Number three, you're forgiven. Boy, I don't know about you, but that's a really important one to me. Amen. You all don't know my life, but I know my life. And I need to be forgiven. And I am. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a gift. Unbelievable gift. A couple of scriptures that go with that are Colossians 2.13. And 2 Chronicles 7.14. Number four, we're justified. That's another one of those Christianese words, and so I, I give you a definition for it. It's to be freed from the guilt and the penalty attached to sin. The guilt and the penalty attached to sin. So, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Some scriptures that go with that are Romans 5.1, Acts 13.39, and Galatians 2.16. Number five, redeemed. I'll give you a definition of that one too. It's to set free or rescue or ransom. Uh, in the olden days, when I was young, uh, we had uh, S&H green stamps. Anybody remember S&H Green Stamps? Oh, a few. A few. Well, when you bought groceries and stuff, they would give you these stamps and you paste them in a book. And when you got enough in the book, you took them to a redemption center. And at the redemption center, you could get toasters or mixers or all kinds of different things for those stamps. You redeem your stamps at that, at that place and, they, and you get something. Okay? So, redeemed. Number six, reconciled. Romans 5.11. Okay, another definition. To reestablish relationship or to make compatible. Reconciled. So when we're reconciled to God, we're made compatible with Him. 
We're made acceptable to Him. We're reconciled. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Another scripture for that is 2 Corinthians 5, 18. I need a Kleenex. I see him. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. My nose is leaking. Uh, the next one is, we are Christ's body. Romans 12, 4 through 5. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many, all of us, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, uh, that's a really important issue in that you know, some of us are more uh, inclined to, to fellowship and want to be around everybody all the time, and some of the others of us are like a little solitude once in a while, you know. But we have to remember that we're not lone rangers. We're all attached, one to the other. Just like these chairs are all attached together, well, we're attached together too. And it's important that we recognize that we are part of that body and if we don't function the way our part is supposed to function, then it hinders the whole body. Uh, next, we are a temple. Oh, I, more scriptures go with that. It's 1 Corinthians 5.19 and 1 Corinthians 12.27. Next, we're a temple. Ephesians 2.21-22. In whom the whole building being fitted together. That's what we were just talking about, the body being fitted together. We're His church being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God lives in us. Praise God. Another scripture for that is 1 Corinthians 3.16. Next, we're conquerors. Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And we need to remember that all these things that I'm talking about are through Him, in Him. That's the only place that they really have their full meaning and their full uh, uh, expression, is if we're doing it through Him, in Him. Uh, next, we're victors, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us our, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're victorious. We have the ability to be victorious in everything that we do, provided that we're doing those things in Him. Uh, another another uh, scripture for that is 1 John 5, 4. Next, we're wise. 1 Corinthians 4, 10. We are fools for Christ's sake. Now, this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and, and he says, we are fools. He's talking about he and his uh, compadres. <clears throat> We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong, and you are honorable, but we are despised. And another scripture for that is 2 Timothy 3.15. Next, we're free. Free. You know, the whole world's looking for freedom. And uh, even though we uh, 
have rules and regulations, and some of them galled us, you know, in, laws in our country, and some of them galled us. But the matter, matter of fact is that we are free in Christ. Galatians 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And what is the yoke of bondage? It's sin. We've been delivered from sin. That sin has been cast away as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't even remember it anymore, so we are free. Another scripture that goes with that is Romans 6.18. Next, we're complete. Pastor Bert's been talking about complete. Colossians 2.10 And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. And remember, it's in Him. You, nobody can be complete without Christ. It's not possible. Another scripture that goes with that is Colossians 4.12. Next is light. We are the light of the world. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Another scripture that goes with that is 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. Uh, the next one is we're rich. I like being rich. How about y'all? Rich is better than poor, right? Amen. 2 Corinthians 8.9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, he's not in poverty now he's in heaven where the streets are paved with gold but he went through poverty and all the other things that they did to him in order that we might be rich another scripture that goes with that is philippians 4:19. that's familiar to everybody i think for god supplies all our need according to his riches and glory the next one is prosperous and uh well, there are several, but the first one is Joshua 1.8. And it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then, then, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's a process. You know, you just don't just get prosperous overnight. There's some things you have to do. Some scriptures to go with that are Psalm, uh, Psalms 35, 27 and 3 John 2. That's in the little Johns. Next one is healed. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about healing in this church. <clears throat> Psalm 103, 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. And with that is the very familiar Isaiah 53, 5 and Acts 9, 34. We're going to do this. <laughs> the next one is, we're God's elect. And it's Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. And another one that goes with that is Romans 8.31-33. I skipped one. Uh, we are Abraham's seed. Galatians 3, 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. 
So we're Abraham's seed through Jesus Christ. And the scripture goes with that is Galatians 3.29. We are God's children, sons and daughters. Romans 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's us. Everybody's a son. You know, daughters are sons too. They have all the same rights and privileges as sons. Praise God. Sometimes more. Uh, Romans 8, with that is Galatians 3.29, Galatians 4.7, Ephesians 1.11, Ephesians 1.14, and Ephesians 3.6. There's a lot of those. Boy, you ought to read them all. <clears throat> and last, we are righteous. Now, this is a life verse for me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin. Jesus was completely sinless. He knew no sin. But he was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. We become righteous when we get saved, and everything else flows from that. All these other things that I've told you are, we are, are in Him flow from the righteousness that we receive when we're saved. It's the, it's the master key to everything else that's available to us. With that is 1 Corinthians 1.30, Philippians 3.9, and Romans 5.17. And, you know, these other scriptures that I'm giving you, these are just a few. I mean, I could have had pages and pages of scriptures to go with each of these things. But we can only absorb so much, you know, at least in this brief period of time. Now, the question becomes, you know, if you've heard all this, but the question comes, do we really believe it? Amen. That's the question. You know, you can have all this knowledge about all this, but if it's just knowledge without conviction without you being convinced in your spirit that that belongs to you, that you are that in Christ. If you don't have that, then even though, even though you have it, you don't exercise it, you don't do it. You know, uh, in James it talks about be doers of the word, not hearers only. Well, you can't be a doer if you're not a believer, if you don't believe in what's available to you. And I have to confess to you that that's been a struggle for me for a long time. And I'll just give you a brief thumbnail sketch of my history. My biological father died when I was six days old in an electrical accident. And my mother, and this was 1937, you know, there was no welfare or any of that kind of stuff then. And my mother was left with two small children. And uh, she struggled to, to take care of us and raise us. And my sister and I kind of got shuttled between relatives from the, from the time we were born, or I was born, my sister was older than I, until my mom married Pop. I was 10 years old, and we were shuffled all over the place. And uh, that had a traumatic, traumatic effect on me, and in addition to that, I was a little bitty guy. When I graduated from high school, I was 5'2 and weighed 95 pounds. And I was, the, I was the kid that always was the last chosen to play on a team, you know. You know how you choose up 
sides for a team. Well, I was always the last one chosen. And, uh, well, with good reason, because I wasn't any good. And they all knew it, so I was always the last one chosen. So anyway, all of that, all of that jazz created in me what we call an orphan heart. And uh, when you're wounded, and you, it, it, it creates mindsets that cause... Well, let me give you a definition of mindsets. It's a mental attitude or disposition that predetermines a person's responses to interpretations of situations. And because of that in my life, you know, they, they say that you're really, your personality and your perceptions and all are really formed in the first three or four years of your life. Is that right? Somebody that really knows that stuff? Is that right? So anyway, I went through that until I, until I was 10 and Pop came into our lives and my mom didn't have to work anymore and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, but it created in me attitudes of distrust and, and insecurity and unworthiness and real low self-esteem. And as a result of that, it made me uh, tend not to believe anything. And, you know, I went through the whole atheist, agnostic, and all that kind of stuff in my teens and early, early 20s. And these mindsets affect our ability to believe who and what we are in Christ. And it did me. And, and I didn't really get a grasp on all these goodies that were available to me until I went through this study. And it opened my eyes more than anything else that I've ever done, and as I said, my life verses is Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one, and when I really understood that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, changed my whole life. Changed my whole life. So, how do how do how can we believe? You know, there's a process that we need to go through to believe. Most people, when they just hear about Jesus, don't believe, do they? They can't because they don't know enough to believe. You have to first understand that you have to know something. You have to start by recognizing that salvation is necessary. To receive anything else from God, salvation is necessary. And you have to understand that it's a process. I used to get all discouraged because, you know, when I got saved they told me that all my sins were forgiven. I was a new man. Sin would never bother me again. Well, that was a lie. <laughs> Just plain and simple, that was a lie. Because I've been struggling with sin ever since then. I'm getting better and better and better, but we all know that we're never going to be perfect until we get to heaven. So we have to recognize that that's a process. And you have to recognize that that. First of all, as it, from, from salvation evolves immediately. Righteousness and sanctification. That comes immediately. No matter what your soul does, your spirit is saved. And you are righteousness. You have righteousness forever after. Everything else flows from the fact of our righteousness in Christ because we are righteous. We're free, wise, complete, light, prosperous, healed. All those other things that we talked about or I talked about, y'all haven't said anything. 
So we believe, we believe through knowing the word. Look at John 8.32. I skipped a bunch of scriptures because we're out of time. So go to John 8.32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's important because, you know, people misquote that all the time. They say, you know, the truth shall make you free. But the truth doesn't necessarily make you free. The truth you know is what makes you free. You have to know it. You have to understand it in order for it to, to work in you. And look at John 2, 25. You have, to believe, you have to believe it. And believing is a choice. And Did I give you the wrong one? Oh, John 20, 25. Excuse me. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He didn't say he couldn't believe. You know who that is, right? That's Thomas, the famous doubting Thomas. He said, I will not believe. He made a choice that he wasn't going to believe that unless he could see it. You know, uh, uh, they used to say of people from Missouri that I believe it if I see it. Well, if you see it, you're not believing anymore. You're knowing. There's a difference. It's, believing is faith. You have to have faith that what you read in the Word really is true. And that's a choice. You can choose to receive it or not. I've heard pastors say that he made, a, he made a, a decision a long time ago that when he sat under somebody's preaching, even if he didn't understand it or didn't agree with it, he said that he would receive it. And then he'd go check it out and, and, and get it to where he could believe it. And that's what we have to do. We have to make a choice that we're going to believe it and then do what it takes to get the, that choice, give that choice life. And then we have to meditate it. And I don't have a scripture for that, but you've heard Pastor Bert talking for the last few uh, months about meditating the Word and how uh, by meditating it, you get it into you. You get it deep into you. It doesn't just sit on the top of your brain. You get it down in there where it can do some good. And then uh, James 1, to 25 you have to apply it. James 1, 22 to 25. I didn't print these out, and I'm not going to take the time to look them up in my Bible. You don't have it? You do have it? You don't have it. James 1, 22 to 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That's the important part of it, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So it's important to understand that when you hear something like what I've given you tonight, and most of this, you know, isn't, isn't me talking, it's the Word talking. And that's the important part. You know, what I say doesn't really matter, but what the Word says does. 
So, uh, that's applying it. And then, by confessing it, Mark 11, 23, 24. Oh, you found it. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Confessing it. Now, uh, we have a lot of confession books around, you know, that have good confessions in them. And it's a really good practice to have, have particular times of day when you do that, when you use those books or use the Bible and, and confess what the Word says. But the really good part is that as you're going around about your day doing what you, what you do, if you'll just confess the Word as you're doing things. You know, as you're doing things, certain things come up, and, and, and if you've been spending any time in the Word, the Holy Spirit will bring something to your remembrance. And it's a good time right then to speak it out, to say it, and, and say it over and over. And pretty soon, it just gets to be part of you.